Over the past few weeks, we've been reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. And two weeks ago, I talked about how God is seeking us. It's not us who is seeking Him. He is already seeking us. And last week, Jesus revealed Himself as the bread come down from heaven, thereby pointing out His divinity. And this is a critical point because if we don't understand His divinity, we won't understand the Eucharist and how He is present there. And now this week, He's speaking about how the bread He will give for the life of the world is His flesh. And so sometimes we can understand His divinity, but not understand His teaching in the Eucharist. One time, I was speaking with a monk from Mission BC, and he was telling me about how he was giving a tour of the church. And there'd be people from different faith backgrounds and everything. And so he'd point to the altar, this is where we say Mass, or this is the choir stalls where the monks pray. And then he pointed to the tabernacle. And he said, there is where Jesus, the Son of God, is present. And then one of the ladies there quickly said, if Jesus was truly present in the Eucharist, I would walk on my knees from Vancouver to here, 75 kilometers, just to see him. What's amazing about this woman's testimony, in a way, was that she was saying that if Jesus was here, I would do anything to see him, right? Because she believed in his divinity, but not in the Eucharist. And so today, we have an opportunity not to believe in just Jesus' divinity, but also to believe in his real presence in the Eucharist. But do I have that kind of faith? You know, for Catholics, we don't believe that the Eucharist is just symbolic. The Eucharist is much more than a symbol. Jesus says, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And the people understood that. Because when he says that, later on, they say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And when Jesus says, you must eat my flesh, he actually increases the intensity of his language. At first, he uses the word estio in Greek, which means eat. But when the people question what does he mean by that, he intensifies it by saying trogo, which means not just to eat, but to chew, to gnaw. And what he's trying to emphasize is that the people are not just eating a symbol. He's trying to emphasize the realism of the Eucharist. And eventually, later on at the end of the chapter, people leave. And so for Catholics, when we hear about this, we kind of grow up and like, oh yeah, this is Jesus' body and blood. But we didn't really understand the true depth of it. You know, because the people who are outside of the church think it's really strange. You know, the early church was accused of being cannibals. And so what I want to do today is I want to explain somehow the mystery of Jesus present in the Eucharist. We know that it is a miracle, but what we can do, and we can't explain how it happens, but at least as Catholics, we can explain that it's not contrary to reason. And so the mystery in which the Church calls the Eucharist, or the, the way in which the Eucharist becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, is through something called transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. 
I know it's a big word, but what it means is it's the transformation of a substance. So there's some philosophy we have to understand before we understand the Eucharist. Now, a thing can be understood in two ways, right? So when you look at me, right, if I cut my hair, am I still Father Troy? Yeah, right? If I grow a little bit bigger in size in my belly, am I still Father Troy? Yeah. And then one day when I will look older, I don't know when that's going to happen, will I still be Father Troy? Of course, right? And so what it's pointing to then is that this that there are qualities about me, but there's also something that's called the substance of me, who I am, my human nature. So the, the, the way that we can understand is in understand a thing is by its qualities and by its substance, right? The qualities are, for example, my hair, my size, right? All those different things. And then the substance is those things in which the qualities remain in. They remain in me, right? Now, these qualities and substances can both change. Now, imagine now I'm going to, I have a host here and it's not consecrated. It's a piece of bread. Imagine if I spray painted this bread black. Would it still be bread? Yeah, it, of course. What if I spray painted the bread white? Would it be bread? Yes, it would be still bread. We would call this a change in the quality or a qualitative change, right? And what happens in this is that the qualities change, but the substance remains the same. It's still bread. The essence of what it is is still there, right? Now, imagine then I take the bread and then I light it on fire and then it turns all into ashes. Is it still bread? No, of course not. It's not bread anymore. It's just ashes. And so what's happened here is that this is called a substantial change, a change in which the bread is no longer bread and the qualities are no longer there. It's no longer black or white or it smells like bread. It's all gone. It's all, sm it's all turned to ashes. And so we would call that a substantial change. So just to quickly summarize, an accidental change, or sorry, a qualitative change, is a change in the qualities of the thing, but not its substance. Now, a substantial change is a change in the substance and a change in the qualities. But imagine for a moment, if you could change the substance, but not change the qualities. That's what the Eucharist is. That's what transubstantiation is. When the qualities remain the same, but the substance of the bread is no longer the substance of bread anymore. It's now the substance of Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. That's what transubstantiation is. And so if I took the host that I have now and the host that's in the tabernacle and I put them under a microscope, would they look the same? Yes, of course they would look the same because the qualities haven't changed, although the substance has. The substances in both are different, right? But imagine, right, for a moment, that we could pull the veil from the Eucharist, right? If we could pull the qualities away, you know, what could we see underneath? 
What, we could, what could we see that is truly present? In August 1996, um, a priest found a host on a candlestick. And this was just after a Mass, so the host had been already consecrated. And so what the priest did was he took that host and he placed it in a jar of water. And the reason why you place it in a jar of water is because whenever a host is dropped and the priest isn't going to consume it, this is the most reverent way to uh, dispose of it. Because God is still present in the host. You don't put the host uh, in the ground. You don't throw it in the garbage, right? You put it in the glass of water or a jar of water so that when the bread dissolves and is no longer bread, when the qualities are gone, right, then Jesus is no longer present in the Eucharist. And that's the most um, reverent way to dispose of the Eucharist. So the priest put this host in the water and he left it in the tabernacle for a few days. And after, when he came back, he found that the host had turned into flesh, that it was a, was bleeding. So then he left it for a couple more weeks, and then he found the same thing happening. And so he talked to Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio. And Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio is Pope Francis back in the day. This is in Argentina. And so uh, Cardinal Bergoglio said that, you know, we should not tell anyone, but let's leave it in the tabernacle. And so they left it for three years. And finally, after three years, they came back and they still found that the flesh was still there and it had not decomposed at all. And so they brought it to uh, Dr. Francis Zigaby in New York, who is a forensic pathologist. He's someone who studies uh, how people die and all those different things. And they took a sample of that flesh and they brought it to Dr. Francis Zigaby. And they did not tell him where this flesh came from. And when he looked at the flesh under the microscope, he found that it was a fragment of the heart. In his official analysis, he says that the analyzed material is a fragment of the heart muscle found in the wall of the left ventricle close to the valves. The heart muscle is in an, an inflammatory condition and contains a large number of white blood cells. This indicates that the heart was alive at the time the sample was taken. It is my contention that the heart was alive since white blood cells die outside a living organism. This is a phenomenal finding. And when they eventually told him that this flesh came from a host three years ago, he said that's impossible. Right? Because in order to get this flesh, it had to be from like a living person. You had to open up a person's chest, take out the piece of that heart from the left ventricle, and they'd have to still be alive, or else there'd be no white blood cells. And so Jesus truly means this when he says that I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Sometimes when we don't believe in his real presence in the Eucharist, he lifts the veil so that we may see that He is truly present. And so God is here. Jesus is here. The Creator of the universe, the Savior of the world, the One who loves you and has been looking for you and waiting for you for the last 2,000 years so that you could come and receive Him into your heart. 
And so I really encourage you today that when you receive the Eucharist to realize this is not just ordinary bread. It might be the qualities of bread, but the substance is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so when you receive the host, I really encourage you to receive it with reverence and with love and devotion because God is there. You know, God is even present in even the small particles of the host. That's why some people even receive on the tongue so that they receive all of the particles. But of course you are to allowed to receive on the hand. But if you do receive on your hand, I really encourage you to receive all of the particles to make sure that not a bit of it is lost because God is present in each of those parts. And so we give thanks to God today as we come to the Mass and come before it with awe and wonder, knowing that when He says, This is my body, that is the truth, and that God is here, and He is soon coming into our hearts.